Zan, konnichiwa, and welcome to the board game dojo, where for the first time we are going to have the same episode、uh, for our YouTube audience and our podcast audience. Usually, those are two completely different episodes with totally different content, but today we have such a great episode that we thought we'd do it the same for both. Today is our 2022 holiday gift guide, and boy, do we have so much. Content for you today. We have six different price points of games. We have $20, $30, $40, $50, $75, and $100. And inside of those price points, we have six different categories of recommendations of board games. We have casual games, strategy games, family games, two player games, party games, and an import, as well as a board game accessory that is also for each. Price point. We also will sprinkle in some stocking stuffers that are those $10 to $15 small games that are going to be good there. And this total is more than 50 unique items that you can put on your wish list or buy somebody else for the holidays. Now, we did need some rules of how to narrow this down. So we have two very important rules that we tried to follow as best we can when compiling this guide for you. Item number one is that it has to be available. And it has to be available at somewhat of the same price that you would normally be buying it at. There is nothing more annoying than finding the perfect game for somebody and realizing that it is out of print or you can't get it. Or if you can get it, it is now four times the original price. Very annoying. So we're not going to do that. The second important rule is that we know that we are a small board game channel, we are a small board game podcast. And so you are probably going to other places first. And so, therefore, we are not going to say the same games that everybody else is. So, if we found a game that was mentioned in at least two or three videos from either 2021 or videos that were released from this year, we just totally wiped them out because it's not going to be very useful to you to hear the same items over and over again, the same games over and over again. So, you're not going to hear about The Mind. You're not going to hear about Sushi Go. You're not going to hear about Cascadia, even though we would recommend those items. Because everybody else is recommending them anyway. And so you've probably already heard it. And if you're still watching, you probably decided that that wasn't for you. So that is how we compiled this list. Now, before we begin this guide here, we have a giveaway, and it is our first one. So we are going to give away a copy, a brand new copy of Anansi, which is a great trick taking game. And all you need to do to go into the giveaway. Is to write a YouTube comment on any of our videos or leave us a five star review on your podcast app of choice. For every comment, like every different YouTube video that you leave a comment on or every podcast review that you leave, you get one entry into the drawing. And these will compile over time. So if you leave it on multiple videos and a podcast app, those each count as its own separate entry and they will stay for the foreseeable future. And we're gonna do one game giveaway. A week. So, we're trying to grow our audience for the holiday season. That is the best gift that you can give to us, and we want to give back to you. Now, for now, because we are pretty small, we're not, we don't have the budget here. We don't even have a Patreon. What are we doing? But we can only do this giveaway for those in the United States and in Japan, where we are. But over time, we promise we're going to get a little bit more international. Without further ado, let us get this thing started because we have so much to cover today. And because we have so much to cover today, I am also going to set a timer for one minute per game. I get one minute 
her game to talk about it to you, try to sell you on it. And once a minute goes, you're going to hear this sound. There we go. Let's try that again. A little bit louder. There we go. And then I will have to stop and move on because we will be here all day. Like I said, we have over 50 unique items on this list today to cover for you. So without further ado, let us get started with the $20 segment. And our first game we have to talk about is a casual game. And I am so glad that this one has come back into, into stock. It is Scout. Scout is a fantastic climbing game, which means that you will play a card and then the next person has to play a card that is higher than that. So if you play a one, the next person maybe needs to play a two or a pair of twos and you go around trying to do it. Now, there are two things that make Scout unique and special. The first one is that you cannot rearrange your hand from where it begins. But the second one is that usually with the traditional games like this, if you can't do it, the hand resets and then it's like a lot of downtime. But for this one, you can take a card from the previous play. So if I play make a pair of twos and I can't beat a pair of twos, I can take one of those two, making my hand stronger, and then maybe I can beat it from then on. It makes a more continuous thing, and it makes it so that everybody can feel engaged the whole time. It's great for new gamers. It's great for people who are familiar with traditional card games or modern card games all the same. And I have to tell you that it has been a massive hit for my family. Oh, okay. Now for the next one. All right. The two-player recommendation for... Oh, for $20 is Bandada. Bandada is a fantastic solo or two-player game in which you are making um, a flock. That's what Bandada means. And it is the perfect example of so much game in such a tiny package. And the artwork is beautiful. You are going to take a card and you are going to manipulate the dice on the table that will give you points. But by taking that bird, you maybe can get uh, a couple of points for the blacks that are threes and fours. And so then you can re-roll the blacks so that you can try to get more points. But at the same time, your opponent is also getting points for that. So it's a bit of a brain burner as you try to decide, okay, what cards can I take that give me points, but don't give them those points. And as you play it more and more, especially with the same opponent, you start to go, okay, what are they trying to do? How can I take away points so that they're not getting that many points from those yellows anymore? It is a fantastic package, and I wish more people were talking about it because it is an excellent game, and for $20, I cannot think of a two-player game that I have played more times in recent memory. All right, the next one that we got. Oh, man, I have to reset the clock myself? Come on. Okay, set timer. There we go. Go. All right. All right, our strategic choice. Now, there are times during this thing that we are going to try to diverge the past, the one that is better for you. So I've got two quick ones here, and they're both Reiner Knizia auction games. There is High Society, and then there is Modern Art. High Society is a totally card-driven auction game in which you will be betting to win certain points. But at the end of the game, whoever uh, spent the most amount of money is eliminated because you spent way more money than everybody else. So it's so tense as you try to decide, okay, is it worth spending more money to try to win that thing? But at the end, ah, I might have spent more money than anybody else. But the other game is Modern Art. And Modern Art is kind of this, um, I don't want to say satire, but kind of, of the modern art world. And you, it's a more traditional 
auction style game. You're going to be going through trying to bid on paintings and hoping that the artists that you have bought those paintings for become popular because then those paintings that you have are now worth more money. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, basically high society is the cheaper one. And for, for a few extra dollars, I would get modern art because it's so much more thematic and I think just a better game in general, but pick which one, whatever you're into. High society is the quicker one. Modern art is the longer one, but I think the better one. All right, going on to the next one, we have the party game for $20. And there are so many good choices here because this is where party games shine is in that $20, $25 range. But the one I am going with is Quest. And I'm going with Quest here because it is a better implementation, in my opinion, than Resistance and Resistance Avalon. And the reason is because Resistance Avalon, for me, I guess I should talk about what Quest is. Quest is a social deduction game in which there is a good team and a bad team. And the good team needs to go on quests and succeed in those quests three times throughout the game. And if they do, they win. But if the bad guys prevent them from doing that, then they win. But for me, Resistance Avalon, it kind of, it was always so slow because most of the game was actually like in the voting pattern sort of thing. And it was all about how well you could deceive others, how well you could lie to others. And it became more about that than the game itself. But Quest does a much better job, I think, because the leader just decides, okay, these people are going on the quest. I have decided it is not up for vote. But then it also becomes more about deduction. You can actually figure out who is the good guys and who is the bad guys. I think that this is a great screaming value at $19.99. All right, going on to the next one, we have our family thing. And again, we are splitting in two. And they are both really excellent drafting games, which are a kind of game in which you are going to take one thing and then pass the rest of them to the person next to you. And it's going to go in a circle. So there are two ones, and I want you to pick which one you think is a theme that more is tasteful for you. One is Sushi Roll, which is a dice version of Sushi Go that you'll hear about probably in other holiday gift guides, but it's very cutesy. It has a lot of like individual dice have powers on them that you're going to decide, okay, I want this one, maybe I want this uh, tempura, and that if I can collect another one, then it's worth 10 points. Or if that doesn't sound interesting to you, I would like Draftosaurus, which is dinosaurs, in which you'll be putting uh, dinosaurs in different parts of your theme park and different parts of your theme park score in different ways. So maybe you, if you can get five oranges in this section of the park, then you score a bunch of points. But this one, oh my goodness, we just want two of the same color so that they can mate. It, they are both really great games and just pick which one you think has the better theme. I recommend them both. The next one is an import suggestion and I cannot believe that I am recommending this and it is Nana. Nana is a memory game that has swept Japan and has gotten international. They now have multiple versions of it, a holiday edition and a regular edition. It is a memory game in which you are trying to compile uh, the sets of seven by remembering who has it, one in their hand and in the middle of the table. If you can compile seven, okay, you win, but you can also do it by collecting uh, all the sets of 10 and all the sets of three because 10 minus three is seven or five and two because five plus two is seven. Now, if you want to know if this game is for you because it does get more expensive with the import fees, then I recommend going and checking out our video that we did on it because I think we did a really good job. It's like a 15, 20 minute video talking about the pros and cons and if it's right for your group or not. But I know so many people that have enjoyed this game and it has actually been on like top 10 lists for 2022. So I wanna recommend it to you because so many people have had fun with it. The next one is our board game accessory, yeah. And for me, 
$20 is, there's so many things. There's dice that you can get. There are sleeves that you can get. But the thing that has helped me the most in my board game collection for this price range are folded space organizers or just any kind of organizer specifically uh, for the games that I like. And I chose folded space because those tend to be the ones that fall in this range. They're not made of wood. They're made of foam. They're really easy to put together. But let me give you a caveat though. First is that look online as to which ones are actually the best ones. Some of them are really good hits and make setups just so much easier, so much quicker. And that makes me play certain games more, but some of them are more work than they are worth. I can like, I think of Concordia all the time. My storage solution was much better than the folded space one. So just go online and read the reviews, but folded space is a great idea for those who are looking to get maybe games that have a lot of components to the table more. All right, so up next, we have our stocking stuffer. And our stocking stuffer number one is Colorado. Colorado is a great one, and I know it might be in other videos, but I wanted to put it here because it will go in print, and it'll be out of print, and it'll be in print for a year, and it'll be out of print for a couple of years. So just get it while you can. But Colorado is a great set collection game in which your turn is super simple. You'll either flip over the top card and put it in a row, or you'll just take one of the rows and all the chameleons that are with it. You are trying to collect sets of the same colored chameleon, but here is the rub. The three colors that you've collected the most of will be positive points, but if you collect the other colors, and I think there's seven of them total, the rest of them are negative points. So you have to decide, ooh, is it worth kind of bailing out this round early and taking row early, because that ends your round for you, because there's all the same color and I want that color, or do I want to press my luck and keep going because then if I if more of the same color comes out, more of the color I want comes out, then that'll give me more points. It's a great game, so tense with so light on rules, I really recommend it. All right, we are going on to the $30 section. Let me get a drink because I'm talking a lot here. Hold on. Oh, I've got like a cup of coffee here and then I've got a can of coffee here as a backup, so I'm going to be very caffeinated. All right, so the next one is the $30 mark. And uh, the first one will be our casual pick. And our casual pick is Galaxy Trucker. Galaxy Trucker is a real-time game that you really want to play with a group of non-serious gamers. And that's why I put it in the casual category. You'll actually start by putting like one hand behind your back. You don't have to, but I like to play that way. Um, and you'll put together a ship from this pile of components and the things that include like guns and batteries and uh, rocket ship boosters. And then you'll go out and you'll need to try to pick up passengers and pick up goods and deliver them at the end. But along the way, you'll face aliens that are going to attack your ship and space pirates that are going to try to steal stuff from your ship. And as you're going and you're going and you're going, your spaceship starts falling apart. And so you might actually not even end up at the end because your spaceship is done. But it is a really humorous time. And I think the new addition of this, while being a lot cheaper than the old one, is also just revised enough where the rulebook is like easy enough to understand that new people can pick it up. Uh, there is an app version for this as well if you want to try it. But I really recommend this as a great humorous game that is kind of real time in a way. All right, the next one is a two-player game, and this one is not necessarily two-player exact, uh, two-player specific, but you can play, and I enjoy it at two, and that is My City. My City is a Reiner Knizia legacy-style game, which means that you're going to be playing this game and making changes to the board over time, and you're going to stick with that. I believe there are 24 episodes of this and it is a great game. It's just a, it's a simple tile placement game. You're going to flip over a card, and then you're going to put that building somewhere in your city. And if you cover up 
most more of your city, then you're going to get more points. But you also want to avoid covering up the trees or um, saving the rocks stuff, or covering the rocks up, things like that. And it's so hard not to like give spoilers of it, but it's so simple. It's so easy to pick up. And every mechanic that gets added along the way makes sense. It's just done little by little so that anybody can pick it up. And I really enjoy it at two because you can like see each other's cities and going like, hey, I'm doing that or mm, wait a second. <laughs> All right. The next one is going to be our strategic game, and it's the Search for Planet X. The Search for Planet X is kind of one of those logic puzzles that you might have done as a kid where you're given a rule and you have to figure out where it is based on that rule. Like if you ever did like, okay, Sally has to stand next to somebody that's taller than her and Lisa is shorter than Sally. And then you have to figure out, okay, so I guess then Sally can't stand next to Lisa. Well, it's kind of one of those games because you're searching for planet X and there are certain rules that are universal. So like an asteroid can't be next to another asteroid or a dwarf planet has to be next to something that's empty. And you're going to be trying to figure it out and finding being the first to find planet X. It is such a... It's a logic puzzle, and I think that this makes a great gift because a lot of people, I think, were along the lines of, I don't know if I should get this or not because it's I'm either going to really like it or I'm really not going to like it, and so maybe it's not worth the $30, but I think that makes a great gift because you're giving them something that maybe they wanted to try, but they didn't want to spend the money on, and I think that this is a fantastic game. All right, the next one we got is our party game recommendation, and that is Deception Murder in Hong Kong. Deception Murder in Hong Kong is a party social deduction game where one person is going to be the forensic scientist who knows what happened, somebody else is going to be the murderer, and everybody else pretty much is going to be the police officers trying to solve the crime. Everybody will have a murder weapon and an evidence cards in front of them, and the murderer needs to choose which one that they did, which one they murdered with, and which one is the evidence left behind. Everybody else is going to try to figure it out as the forensic scientist puts down clues in the middle of the table, like maybe the cause of death was poisoning. Okay, well, the can't be that person over there because they don't have any murder weapons in front of them that would have been poison. It is a great game, and I find that Forensic Scientist works really well for those with social anxiety because then they don't have to lie. And it's just a great game overall as everybody tries to build a narrative of what could have happened. No, it wasn't me because, look, he said it was poison. I have nothing in front of me that would have been poison. It makes so much sense to go with that person over there. It's a nice icebreaker game as well, and I think just simple enough to go with both new gamers but has so much strategy that's still in it that is also interesting for gamers who have played other games like this. All right, the next one that we have is ah Family Game, and this one is a classic. It is Ink and Gold. Ink and Gold is a push-your-luck game in which you are, you could also call it Indiana Jones the game. I wouldn't blame you, but we, you know maybe not because of copyright, but you are going into a cave, and each time you need to decide whether to push further or go home and take back all the treasure you have acquired thus far. If there are two of the same kind of danger, like spiders and snakes that pop up, you lose everything that you've gotten so far. So you need to always make those decisions as to whether to push further and get richer or go home. I love this style of pusher luck game because it is so simple, but it also requires this, um, what do I say, like, taking ownership of your decisions. Oh, I lost this game because I didn't push far enough. I was too chicken. Or I lost this game because I had too much hubris and I should have just taken what my winnings and gone home with it, but I wanted more. It's such a funny game and it's such a simple game. Anybody can get it. And that seems to be, and that's kind of a theme for this list is a lot of these are kind of, oh, excuse me. A lot of these are games that, um, make for great gifts because 
they're not going to be taxing to get to the table in, in general. All right, so the next one we have is an import, and it is the great game Rumble Nation. Rumble Nation is an area control game that is distilled into a 20 or 30 minute game. In Rumble Nation, you are going to uh, simply roll your dice and then you're going to assign those units to that square. So if you do a five and a two, maybe you can assign the two units to square number five. And that and that's it. And then you go into the next turn and going, going, going. And then at the end, it kind of slingshots because if you win that unit, you then get to also place the units on the adjacent spaces. So if you win that section, maybe you put the two units in number five and you won number five. Well, now you get to put more units in six and seven. And so it's like you spread out. It is a beautiful site. And I love this game because it is so replayable because there's different powers that you can do. There's different actions that you can do. And if you play this with different people, it is amazing how many strategies, like there's such a small amount of rules, but people attack it in so many different ways that it is amazing. All right. Ooh, I think I did like pretty good timing there. Oh man, I need a drink here. Hold on. All right. All right. The next one is a board game accessory. I don't know if I would call this a board game accessory, but I definitely think it's the best thing you could buy for $30. And that is a board game arena premium membership. I cannot tell you how many games I have gotten to try, how many people I've gotten to play with on board game arena. It has saved me money because I thought, okay, I was, I'm was i going to buy this game, but I'm going to try it first online, and I didn't like it. It's also kind of cost me money because there was games that I found that I really liked on there that I didn't think I would like, like Draftosaurus. That was an earlier recommendation, right? But I think Board Game Arena is one of those things that we are never, again, leaving the digital age, and being able to digitally play board games is such a nice thing. It's a way to connect with people. It's a way to investigate new games that you might not have gotten to play before. And for $30, for all the work that they put into it, I think it is a great, great deal. All right, going on to Stocking Stuffer number two, and that is Exit the Game. Any of them in the series, I recommend Murder on the Orient Express, especially but these are escape room games in a box. Now, I I think they, like, the MSRP is probably somewhere around like $13, but they are on sale almost all the time for something like seven or eight, definitely under 10, and that's where I kind of would buy them at. But they are escape room games in a box in which sometimes you'll be destroying the box or using the box. It is an experience. I recommend this at one and two, not really at four or anything like that. But if you're looking for something or you're looking for someone that likes to play a game by themselves, likes these kind of puzzles or doing something as couples, especially I think this is a great couples game. It's a good stocking stuffer to put in and there's lots of varieties. So if you like one, then there's more for you to experience. All right. Going on. All right, we are now at the $40 mark. We're, we're trucking right along here. And our $40 casual choice is Awkward Guest. Now, this is kind of Clue 2.0, but a lot, a lot better, I think. You will be exchanging cards with people as you have clues as to who done it. You're trying to still figure out the same thing. What was the murder weapon? Who was the murderer? And where did they murder them? But you'll act you're actually encouraged to exchange information here. As on your turn, you'll say, okay, I want information on the study and I want information on the billiard room. And anybody that has that, there are values of how useful that clue is on everybody's card and say, okay, I will give you a two-value card. You can accept it. And okay, yeah, I will definitely take a two-value one. Here is two back. And you exchange that and now you both have clues. It 
allows so much more deduction as you're trying to figure it out. Okay, they walked through this room, so they could have picked up that murder weapon, but if I know that they walked through that room and not that room, then they could not have gotten that murder weapon because they couldn't have picked it up. They couldn't. They didn't go through the billiard room. How could they have picked up the pool cue to murder weapon? So now I can deduce that it's not the pool cue. It's an excellent, excellent game and is now widely available. I really would pick it up, especially if you or your family are into Clue. All right. And, all right, we are going to another little um, dive, um, not diversion. What's what's the like divergence? There we go, divergent. We are now diverging. There we go. That's the word. And you are going to know immediately if the first one is up your alley or not for two player. The first one is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Now, I do recommend the newer ones for this one, but I'll get to that in a minute. In Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, you are detectives trying to solve a case and you'll be given like this giant map that's going to be in the middle of the table you're going to go interview people you need to decide who you're going to interview and this of course takes time and you're going to try to beat sherlock holmes at uh figuring out who did it and why and how right now the earlier games i think are a little bit like i i didn't have fun with the earlier ones and i hear that they've gotten better in the newer ones about like how could sherlock holmes have really figured that out like it almost seems more magical than anything else, but the newer ones make a lot. The going from point A to point B makes a lot more logical sense, but it still makes you feel smarter that you got there. It's not easy, but it's not in this like field of that we felt that the first one was, which was Thames murder. It wasn't in that realm where it was like, how on earth did they figure it out? So I have heard that like the Baker Street Irregulars is a better one. But the second one that I'm going to choose, and I'm giving myself another minute to talk about this, how do you feel about role-playing with another person? Because if you're into this, this next game is an experience unlike anything else that I have played, and that is Fog of Love. Fog of Love is a game in which you will be acting out a relationship. You'll be doing sometimes mundane things like going shopping, or uh, there's one situation where you're meeting the in-laws. But you both have a secret objective of what you want in the relationship. Maybe one person wants to get married with them and have kids. The other person wants to break it up, but they cannot, like, they don't want to be the ones that break it up. So they're going to be spending the whole game trying to get the other person to break up with them finally. And it makes such a... A unique experience. It's almost like It Takes Two, which is a good video game, where my wife and I would play this game and we were acting as somebody else, but it made us have interesting conversations about it in our relationship of what we would actually do in that situation would that situation arise. And you need to roleplay, so if roleplay isn't your thing with it, or you can't separate out that like your partner might be acting in a way that isn't them and you can't stop identifying it, this is going to be terrible game for you. But if you're okay with that, it is one of the most unique and interesting experiences I have ever had in board gaming. All right, the next one is one of my favorite games. And this this list, as you heard with Nana, like not all of these we like, but, or I should say not all of them are for us, but this next one is one of my favorites. And I am so excited to tell you a little bit about Gugong. Gugong is a game in which <laughs> you are taking, uh, you are playing in the era in which bribery was just made illegal. And so you can't pay somebody to get your thing. So instead, you're going to trade them favors. So maybe 
Um, so there's a couple different spots on the board. There's like a jade area. There's like a boat area. There's meeting the emperor area. And they have something of value that's maybe like a one value or a two value. So you'll have your your hand of cards and you'll exchange. You say, oh, you only have a one value there. I'll give you something that is three value. It's much more valuable. But take it because uh, I, I just think you're a great guy. And then you're going to take the one back in your hand. And then you'll get to do that action. I just think that the theme is so humorous and yet there are so much strategies to do and now that the expansion is also out that includes a lot of different modules there's so much replayability here i think it is one of the most underrated strategy games of the last five years and i wish more people would play it so do me a favor and buy this for somebody all right the next one is a party game and it's weird because it's listed as $40, but I, I see it on sale often enough, especially like at Target, but it is Mysterium. Mysterium is an occult-themed game in which one person is the ghost, and so they will have this giant board in front of them, and they will be giving you these clues by giving you pictures that are that have all sorts of different images on them that you can take so many different things of. They're like dream-like. If you've ever played Dixit, um, they're really hard to parse out one particular thing in it. Everybody else are going to be the psychic detectives trying to figure out what this ghost is trying to tell them. Where is this ghost trying to give me a hint for? Who is this ghost trying to give me a a clue for? It leads to a lot of interesting discussions. It's great entry into gaming, and it plays quite a few people. I've had a lot of luck introducing this game to people who have not played board gaming before, and... It's and in groups in which people didn't know each other because they have to work together for this, but it's not like I'm blaming you for something like Deception Murder in Hong Kong would be. It's like, okay, we need to figure out what this ghost is trying to tell us. All right, the next one is a family game in the $40 range, and my favorite one is Clank. Now, you can choose between Clank or Clank in space, whichever one. Clank is more you're going into a dragon's lair, and Clank in space, well, you're in space. But Clank is a deck-building, push-your-luck game where you're going to be trying to accrue cards. You're going to be buying cards that are better and makes it so that you can run further into the Dragon Slayer, further into the spaceship, get better treasure, and then you need to get back. And so you are trying to get rid of the bad cards that might slow you down out of your deck. You're trying to get cards that make you faster. But this game has worked so well with families because no matter what the age group is, there's that inherent understanding of, okay, I want to go in and I want to get something and I want to run away from it. And I think the cards, I think the art is fun. And I, there's so much expansions that give you different venues to do this with that is endless replayability. Seriously. I put this in the $40 thing because if you're going to buy the new version of it, it's going to be $40, but I would look online to see there's a lot of people that are reselling it with expansions for around this too. So I would go with that one. All right, the next game that I want to talk about is our import for $40, and that is going to be the EV version of Point Salad. Now, Point Salad as a game is a family weight game in which you, on your turn, are either going to decide to take a card that changes the way that you score. So maybe um, for every two lettuces that is in your collection, then you score a point. Or you can take the vegetables themselves, like the lettuces or radishes and stuff. So you're constantly changing the way you score and then taking cards so that those ways you score get you more points. The EV version is just the same thing, but instead of lettuces, it's Vaporeon. Instead of radishes, it's Umbreon, which is just way cooler. But this one is from South Korea. I've seen more people on BoardGameGeek and resale sites importing this and then selling it. So 
it can cost a little bit and that's why it's up here even though the game itself actually only retails for like $20. But if you have kids that like Pokemon or you yourself like Pokemon like me, then I why are you getting the regular point salad? You can get Eevee. I just think it's way better. All right. So let's go to the accessories for $40. And for me, the best thing that you can get for $40 is custom meeples. I think custom meeples are just are just really great, especially for a game that I really like. I have them for wingspan so instead of the little cubes that are on their little birds instead um i have them for cat lady their custom meeples to me is just something that elevates a game it makes it more thematic without having to um redesign so you know, with board game organizers you have to do a lot of work custom meeples is just something like hey instead of using those boring little cubes Use these little shape things. And you. there's all sorts of companies that are really good at them. Etsy's a great place for them. Meeple Realty is a great place for them. And I just think you can't go wrong with buying so many custom meeples or some kind of custom items for the game that make it, it could be realistic resources like for, from Stonemeyer. Just something that makes the components a little bit more exciting and make it feel a bit more like you're in the game. All right, our next stocking stuffer idea is a game called Regicide. Now, I could technically tell you to just put a deck of playing cards in there, but that's why I like recommending this as a stocking stuffer because Regicide can be played with a standard deck of cards, but getting the art on the cards is something that is really great. The art is really good, and it helps play the game as well. Regicide is a game in which you are just going to work through the deck trying to kill off the jacks, the queens, and the kings, and it is ridiculously hard. Each of the different suits have a different power, so and you're working together cooperatively to oop, I keep hitting my microphone to to get rid of them. I think I've played this game something like 50 or 60 times now, and I have won three times, I think, maybe. And I think all, all of them were down to luck. I really love this game, and this makes for a great gift because I think a lot of people have chosen not to get the art version because they can play this with a deck of cards, but putting that in a stocking and saying, hey, you can play this game now with the great art is a great gift, I think. All right, we are moving on. Whew, before I start the timer, I am going to finish this cup of coffee. Let's see. Oh my goodness. Oh, cold. Oh, that got cold. Okay, we're moving on. Moving on to the can. All right, our $50 area. Let's start with our $50 casual game recommendation. And we have two again, because you're going to know right away if the first one is not going to be your thing at all. The first one is QE. QE is another auction style game in which the person that spends the most money loses. But the thing about this game is you can just spend as much money as you want. You don't, you have unlimited money because you are governments just printing money. You could say, I'm going to bid a bajillion dollars and okay, you won with a bajillion dollars, but maybe somebody else won a different bid with two bajillion dollars. And so now they have spent more. So as long as you weren't the person that spent the most amount of money, you're fine. It is the most just naturally funny auction game I've had. And that is its own experience, I think. And I I know a lot of people that fall on either side of the fence of it, of really, really enjoying it or just saying that this game should never be in a collection again. But I think it is a great game, a great experience to have 
for $50. All right, our next $50 one, if you don't, if QE sounds like, okay, that just can kind of sounds like absurd ridiculousness, I don't want any of that, then I would go with Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest. Now, Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest is the re-implementation of Libertalia. Libertalia was a very, like, dark piratey themed one and Libertalia Winds of Galecrest is pretty much the same game with some fixes but also anthropomorphic animals instead of this dark brooding thing and like nice bright colors but in this game you are the captain of your fleet and you have to choose a crew member to go to shore every day and pick up the treasure now these crew members can do different things that and you can only send them once so once you play that crew member they are gone now, maybe this day, for example, all of the treasure that's on the island is really bad. They're curses, so you're going to lose points. So maybe you want to send the member whose special power is to just skip that day. You don't pick up any treasure. It's a great game with beautiful components. And for $50, it's something you want. A lot of replayability, and it looks gorgeous on the table. All right. Perfect time. All right, so the next one is a two-player game that we recommend here, and it's, the next one is actually a game plus additional components that you have to buy separately, and it is Caper Europe plus the metal coins. So in Caper Europe, you are performing a caper. You're going to steal things, so you're going to send thieves, and you're going to deploy gear to various locations so that you can steal more stuff and get more points. And it's a great like little like tug of war game as you're trying to outmaneuver your opponent. So the thief might be pulling the stuff near closer to you, but then they play a, uh, a gear card that gets rid of your thief or alerts the security to the thief. So now your thief is gone. It's a great little tug of war that in this meta forms when you're playing against the same person over and over again. But the metal coins just make sense here to get with it because if you're stealing like little cardboard things, that doesn't really make sense. But oh man, when you have those metal coins that you're stealing and okay, I got coins with my thief on this one, just hearing that ping, it makes you feel rich like you actually performed it. And I think it is well worth the money to get both of these. All right, so we just finished talking about the two-player recommendation, and so our strategic recommendation here at $50 is Smartphone Inc. Smartphone Inc. is a game in which you become the CEO of a smartphone company, by, and you're going to be developing your technologies, building transportation networks throughout the world, and deciding what kind of company you want to be. Are you the kind of company that sells cheaper phones, but a lot of them? Or are you going to be the smartphone company that is really expensive selling less phones, but you have the coolest technology? Throughout the game, you're also going to be selecting actions by overlapping cards that you have that have different symbols on them. And I think it's a really way, it's a really cool way of selecting your actions. And because whatever is uncovered is the action that you get to take. And it's this really like forward planning and the fact that all of the symbols make sense. All the presentation is beautifully laid out. The graphic design is just so quick and intuitive. And I just love the little details, even in the components, like they have the tray that has little slots for all of your different sized cubes. This game is, again, one of those underrated games that you need to get a hold of. But I do want to warn you that if you're going to play this mostly at two players, you should get the expansion. It's not very expensive, but it has a two-player map and different two-player rules that you need to get. All right. The next one is our party recommendation at $50. Party, like we're starting to get to the point where the party games are going to start getting a bit more after this, but for now, $50 is a good price point, I think, for Camel Up. Camel Up is a ridiculous racing game in which, just from the premise, it's already going to sound like it's crazy, which is you are betting on camel races, and the camels can ride on each other's backs. 
You can bet on which camel is going to win. You can, it, it's so just random and silly. It, if you're, it's, it's in this line of racing games. I guess it's not a line, but it is one of those racing games where if you are in a serious group, then a game like Winner's Circle is probably going to be more of your thing. But Camel Up is one of those games in which there's a bunch of people that can play it. It's really easy to understand. And it's just like you're going to be screaming for certain colors of camels to win. And how many games can you say that about? So I would go with Camel Up and also take a look at the... All right, the next one is a family game. And again, like $50 for a family game is getting there. But if I'm going to spend $50 on a family game, I want it to be something that is replayable. I want it to look good. And I want it to be a game that kind of can grow with me. I can change it up a little bit. And that game for me, you, if you've listened to this, you know we like dexterity games. My choice here would be Men at Work. In Men at Work, you are doing a construction site and you might draw a card that says, okay, you know, you have a worker here, a worker meeple here, and they need to have a garter on their thing. And so you're building this up and you're building up this construction site and it looks gorgeous on the table. It looks amazing. You're going to be taking pictures like, oh my goodness, look how cool this construction site is. And then your boss comes to so you want to show off and you want to do something really cool. So you get a play of the month, but oh no, now you just like, you just made this meeple that was way up here fall down. And well, that's, that's going to be a work hazard. That's not going to get you employee of the month. That's going to get you a lawsuit. And so it's just, it is a really funny game that looks great. And if I'm going to spend $50, that's what I want. I want an experience that maybe I'm not going to play this 20 or 30 times, but I'm going to play this 10 times and I'm going to have an amazing time every time I do. All right, the next one is our import. And the import here is absolutely no question. It is Tiger and Dragon by Oink Games. Tiger and Dragon is becoming more available. It kind of, I, I hope so. Like it seems like every time I'm going to recommend it to people, it goes out of stock again. But it is a re-implementation of the traditional Japanese game, Goita. And in it, you are simply going to attack or defend. If somebody else plays a one, for example, you need to defend by playing a one if you have it. And you go around the table doing this, it plays multiple players. It's this kind of zen-like game, but in which you have to kind of go with the ebb and flow of the game. And if you want to learn a lot more about it, I do recommend going to our video because we not only teach it, but we give you a review of it. But I really like this game because it is so pleasant and yet so brain birdy. I have never felt so simultaneously calm and stressed than when I'm playing this game. So pick it up. Also, it just is beautiful. It's got like these little, um, uh, what is that game called? Oh yeah. Mahjong. It has beautiful Mahjong tiles that you're playing with. Uh, it's, it's just gorgeous. Like you got to go take a look at some of this, some of the stuff. It's awesome. All right. Next one is an accessory. And I I don't know, hmm, maybe there's one more thing that makes me feel nerdier than carrying this one around, but it's so useful. And that is a quiver card case. So a quiver, it's like, like you can get ones that are like this long and you kind of like throw it in. It's not something to carry your arrows, but that is how you spell the thing. But what it allows somebody to do is what I would do is um, I would take the cards out of the box for different card games and I would put them in that case and then I could carry, you know, 10 different card games 
to a board game meetup, to a friend's house in this thing, and it protects it really well. Is it something that is absolutely needed here? Probably not, but I really do like it as a way of transporting games in a very, very easy way. Instead of bringing, you know, 10 card game boxes, I'm just bringing one quiver. It, it works. There's nothing really more to say about that. If it sounds like some, like if you know somebody or you yourself have a lot of card games that you bring to meetups, get a quiver. I think this is why I'm not like hired to do advertising. Like I'm terrible at selling things, but... All right, the next stocking stuffer that we have to talk about is Red 7. Now, Red 7 works, I think, really well because people are pretty familiar with Uno, and that is a lot of what it is. It feels like a next step from Uno, in a way. In Red 7, the rules are simple. You either win on your turn or you lose. That's it. You're eliminated. And you do this by changing the cards. So let's say that, let's say we're playing in the red suit right now. If the red suit is the dominant suit at the moment, whoever is the highest card wins. Well, then on your turn, you're going to change it from the red suit because there's no way that you can possibly change it because you have all terrible cards in your hand. So you change it to maybe the, I can't remember all the colors, but let's say the yellow suit. And it's how many of the same color you have in front of you wins. And oh, you have three yellows in front of you. Nobody else has three of the same color in front of you. So now you are winning. So you're safe. Next person. And these multi-use cards, it's by Carl Chuddock. And these multi-use cards, it's it sounds complicated, but I but once you see the components in front of you, it in the cards in front of you, it's just a bunch of cards. Like it it works really well. I I think it's a great filler game. It's quick, and as long as you don't mind that you could be eliminated pretty quickly, it's nice. All right, let's move on to the seventy-five dollar mark. And the first one we have is casual. So I think that. There is something really annoying to myself at least, but I think to other people too, when they hear about a game and then it's like, well, you need an expansion to kind of make the game better, make the game as good as it can be. And so a lot of people like me will just go, I'm not buying the game then. Like, I just won't do it. So that just makes it a great gift then. And the gift that I recommend to you is Parks and Nightfall. Parks is a game in which you are traveling the national parks and collect by uh, getting gear and taking pictures and you're going to get points. It's a really relaxing game. It's a very pleasant game. It's a solid like six or seven out of 10. It's just a pleasant, fine time. But Nightfall gives you more choice. The thing about it is that you can only visit the same site once on the trail as somebody else is on. So it really limits your decisions. But with Nightfall, it gives you more choice. It gives you more chances to do really clever, cool moves. And to me, it brings the game from a six or a seven to an eight or nine. I'm just like blowing by that timer on this one, but I, but I do want to just explain it a little bit. Parts to me is exactly what you're looking for in a game that introduces people to what modern board games are. It looks great. It plays, it plays great. But it needs Nightfall to be its truest form. And so that's why it makes a great gift is because, hey, Parks has some problems, but Parks plus Nightfall, wonderful. Absolutely great. All right. The next one is my my personal number three game of all time. And that is the, our next two-player recommendation, which is Spirit Island. Spirit Island is a game you can play. So you can play it with two-player. I think you can play it with more, but I never do and I don't like it with anymore, actually. But in Spirit Island, you are taking the colonial 
story and you're flipping on its head. So you are a spirit with powers in which you are defending your land from invaders. And different spirits have different unique powers that you'll be building up your deck to do. So maybe this spirit is good at scaring the invaders. And this spirit has is great at then killing them, but they have to be by the ocean. So this spirit, you're going to get them to be scared and go from the middle of the island to the outside of it so that this spirit can swallow them up whole. It is so fun to play both solo when you're playing with two-handed, but it is great two players because you're going to work together to kind of do this. Okay, I can do this. You need to figure that out. But there's so much going on that it actually limits the alpha gamer problem. That's what we call when one person can go, I'm going to do this, you need to do this. There's just so much going on in this game. And there's so many things that you have to think about on your personal turn that it just, there is no way to do that on this game. Spirit Island, excellent, excellent. Like I said, my personal number three. All right, the next thing that we have is our pick for a strategic game. And again, we're going with two different things. And I want you to ask one question here. Do you have the same group of people together that could do a story together? If the answer is yes, then the recommendation here is King's Dilemma, in which you will be making decisions and kind of role-playing out that you are the head of the family and you need to do votes on new laws that are going to benefit your family for the long run. You're going to play over the generations. If not, then the recommendation here is Sidereo Confluence, which is another negotiation-style game, but it's it is amazing how much this game feels like the nicest negotiation game while still feeling like you're losing because it rewards you for making good trades with it because I maybe only produce the blue the blue cubes. There's no way I can get the orange cubes unless I trade with that player. And so it benefits us both to make good deals throughout the whole thing. Negotiation games, I think, are great in this kind of price range. So just ask yourself, are you going to have the same people? Because I think King's Dilemma is the better game here. But if you don't have the committed group that can play this for... Uh, I don't remember how many exact games you have to play of this, then Scenario Confluence is another amazing option here. All right, the next one for our $75 unit is the party game. And for me, the best party game you can get at $75 is Clask. Now, there are different versions of this. There's a Clask of two players and a Clask of four players. I prefer the two-player version. I don't like the four one at all. But if you have a family of four, go, go for it. Get the four one. But Clask is kind of like air hockey or at least that's probably the closest thing I could do. But instead of on air and on the table, you're playing with these magnets underneath. And there are these obstacles that are in between you and your opponent. So you are trying to get this ball to the other side and pass the other person's, and pass the other person, but, and pass the obstacles to get, I think they call it a class, but it's basically a goal. And I really like this party game because it invites these tournament, this tournament style of play where when you actually score a goal, it feels momentous. It feels like you overcame a lot of things. Like you didn't attract the obstacles over to your end. Maybe they're just absolutely swarmed with the obstacles because they weren't paying attention to their magnetic stick underneath and you attracted, and they attracted them all there. So they're just kind of like buried underneath there. I think it's a great, funny game. Good for all ages. All right. So the next one we have is a $75 pick for family game. And that is going to be Disney Villainous. And it's going to be the three-pack here at this point. Disney Villainous is a game in which you are playing against other people who are all other Disney villains. So it might be Maleficent versus Pete 
versus Gaston, and you each have a unique win condition. So, for example, Captain Hook needs to kill Peter Pan, or uh, Gaston needs to defeat the Beast, things like that. It, it's very thematic, and it has screenshots from the movie. I really recommend this at two, but the reason I recommend the three-pack is because I think the base game was trying to kind of see what the game was going to be when it was released. So the villains are okay, but they don't do anything really exciting. I think a lot of the fun of this game is exploring all the different villains and all their different win conditions and all their special powers that they have. I do have to warn you that some games can be pretty hit and miss, like Pete versus Maleficent is not going to be close. Maleficent is just a lot better. But if you can handle a take that nature that is a part of this game as well and take it that sometimes you're just going to get crushed because your villain is not very strong, really recommend this and getting the three packs so you have a lot more variety to cycle through. All right. The next one is our import. And you you knew it was going to come at, at some point. It's We've had it on so many lists. It's, it's probably the board game dojo's overall favorite game as like all of us can agree that we love this game. It is Crash Octopus. And then in this category, it's going to be Crash Octopus and the expansion. This is a dexterity game in which you will be flicking treasures using this little plastic flag. You'll be flicking it, trying to get it to hit your ship so that you can put the treasure on your ship. Meanwhile, you are trying to avoid a giant octopus and other people using the octopus to attack you to try to knock your treasures off of your ship. It is really quick. It plays in about 20 to 30 minutes. It looks fantastic on the table as you have just these little, the components are just these kind of parts of the giant octopus. Like, so it looks like it's kind of coming out of your table. And it works really well for dexterity game for people of all ages, because the flag is, is small enough that even with people with shaky hands have been able to play this game pretty well. I would say get the expansion there because it adds variety, adding in the pink pirate, just, just get it right away. Cause you're going to want it after a couple games anyway. All right. Going on here, we have, uh, an accessory here for the $75 range. And for me, the answer is to get a full table playmat or game topper, whatever one you want. For me, I play a lot of card games, and I think that has something to do with that Japan just has a lot of card games based on the fact that they just like don't take up that much room. But I kind of got tired of not being able to pick things up very easily, moving things around. So for me, getting a full table playmat was a game changer. It is absolutely worth spending the money for a nice one that is not going to peel. It's not going to get all over the table that's underneath. I tried buying some cheaper ones and just like that, that neoprene on the bottom would like wear off on the table and, and stuff. So just investing in a really nice one that takes care of the whole table so that you can put the whole game on it. Um, it's getting more and more popular to take pictures of your finished game states and post those. So it just makes it look a lot nicer and it cleans up really easily. Just invest in a nice playmat. just makes gaming great. Seriously. It saves a lot of hassle. All right, our next stocking stuffer idea is a trick taker, and it is Skull King. Skull King is a very easily acquirable game nowadays, so I can actually recommend it to people. Awesome. So in Skull King, you're playing a a trick taker in which it has these different suits of like mermaids and Skull Kings, uh, like pirate captains. But before each round, you're actually going to look in your hand, and then you're going to have to bet how many tricks you are going to win this round. So you, like, you, like you go, you know, uh, like 
we we used to do like yo ho yo ho a pirate's life for me and then that would be like how many we did but it's the difference that matters so if you get it right on i think you get like 10 points but if you are one off then you get a certain amount of points difference and the further you are apart from your bid the less points you get and so you have to be good at reading your hand of oh man okay i have a really good hand so I think I'm going to win five tricks. Maybe I can win with like five of these cards. It's it's a really good introductory into uh, bidding trick-taking games, which is a very specific genre of trick-taking. And I think, all right, our $100 recommendation for the casual one is Everdell Collector's Edition. So Everdell is a game that is a mix of worker placement and tableau building. So worker placement, meaning that you're going to put your worker down somewhere on the board and the different spots on the board do different things. So it might give you wood or this one might give you gold or this one might give you berries, things like that. You're going to use those to then recruit workers into your town. That's what you're doing. And these workers can also do things like give you more resources or give you points or help you enter into these contests that are around this Everdell tree. And ultimately, it's a very easy game to learn, but the presentation is just astounding. It has to be like top 10 best presentations I've seen in board games, even though the Everdell tree is not that useful. But what it does is it allows for people to experience, like Parks, I said earlier, it, let's say, okay, board games have gotten to this point where it can look this good. In the collector's edition with the metal coins and the nice components, the just the, the beautiful components that are even better than the standard version that is already pretty good. It is one of those I have bought it and then I've given it to somebody who just like was got enamored with it. I bought another copy and then gave it to somebody else who was like, wow, I just want to play this a bunch of times because there's just so many strategies you can do with the interlocking, um, somewhat overlapping abilities of the different characters that you're putting in your village that I just think Everdell Collector's Edition, if you're going to go for it, like if you want $100 for a game that you can play a lot of times, Everdell. All right, so the next one we have is our two-player game. And to be honest, this is the only one on our guide that I have not played. But you hear enough people talking about it that I am going to recommend it to you, and that is Mage Knight, the Ultimate Edition. So Mage Knight is a game in which you are going to start as a not super powerful hero, but over time as you're going to gain fame and with game, you're going to build skills and abilities and you're going to climb up the skill tree and try to fight bigger and badder enemies. With two players, you can actually do this a couple of different ways. I believe you can work cooperatively, but then you can also do competitively as you like try to battle each other for fame. But overall, this game is just like a story. It has this big arc in which you can see the progression of your character and you can feel yourself getting better. You will need a lot of table space for this and you'll need a lot of time to play it. I hear the rule book is kind of a beast. But if you are really somebody who is interested in games that have this, especially like video gamers are going to love this kind of thing, Mage Knight Ultimate Edition, because it has a few of the expansions that um, add more variety to the base game. Go for it. All right. All right, going up next, Strategic. Oh, man, you want to talk about top five game? This is another top five game for me. I go from a game I haven't played to one of my top five, and that is Food Chain Magnet. Food Chain Magnet is a splatter game in which it looks ugly. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like it, it, it is a very practical-looking board, but you are going to be starting a food chain. And 
hiring workers. And that's most of the game is that you're going to decide who you're working and then you have to pay those salaries so they can do their power, but then you have to be able to afford them. And you're going to try to chain them together so that you can simultaneously build up your restaurant while also making other restaurants fail. So maybe you market, you hire a marketing director so that you can market the burgers because you're the only restaurant that markets burgers. And now everybody in the area only wants burgers. They now no longer want to eat pizza, but all of your competitors only make pizza. So now you have caused them to lose a ton of money in the next turns as everybody is scrambling to your restaurant to eat the only the burgers that only you have. It is a mean game. It is a somewhat long game. It is a complicated game, but if you can get through it and if you're the type of player that likes that, I cannot think of a better game for $100 for you. All right, moving on. We have another party game that is a, that is like Clask. I recommend playing in a tournament mode. This one's a little bit different though because this is actually on the cheap end of the way to buy this and this is Crokinole. Crokinole is a dexterity game in which you really just, I mean, you're just flicking the disc into, into a hole. How could it be? How hard can it be? You just flick, you just put the disc and you flick and you put it into the hole, right? No, it is really difficult. But the thing about Crokinole is, is that $100 is actually really cheap for a table. There are ones for thousands and thousands of dollars that you have, that take a lot of maintenance. So I recommend getting Crokinole for somebody that might be interested in it. There are a lot of companies that sell like a very cheap version of it for $100 and seeing how much you like it. Because I think it's a great piece. It looks nice when it's like when it's over on the wall. I think it is great for tournament atmospheres, especially it's a great drinking dexterity game. And there is just something about like the wood and that nice disc, that kind of like shuffleboardy kind of disc that feels great. Crokinole, recommend it. Um, if you want to know more about Crokinole, I think Shut Up and Sit Down has an excellent, excellent video for you to watch. All right, moving on. Our family one, a $100 family game. It's really hard to find that one that isn't a Kickstarter. And I think this one actually originated as a Kickstarter, but you can now buy it. And it is Fireball Island. If you are if you're looking at it and saying, like Fireball Island, didn't I have that as a kid? Yes. It is made by Restoration Games, and their goal is to take games that were popular, you know, 80s, 90s, and remake them so that they're better. Sorry, I have hiccups. But in Fireball Island, you are going to be going around. It's like mostly a toy, but you're going around on the board, taking screenshots and collecting treasures, and but Every once in a while, you'll be you'll pass something in which you were going to put fireballs in the volcano, and it is going to spit out these fireballs that the marbles that go around the. And if they knock you over, then you lose some of your treasure. And the closer you are to the middle of the volcano, the better the treasure, but the more chance you have of being hit. It is a great game to play with families. I found that kids love this game. Maybe they, I think they just like chucking the marbles at me and, and hitting me with them, but it improves upon the original game a lot. I actually gotten a chance to play the original one and the new one, and I feel like the the new one is better in every single way. Just make sure that you are getting the Restoration Games version of it. I think Goliath makes a version of it too, and that one just isn't as good. It's a lot cheaper too, but get the Restoration Games one. It is hysterical fun. It really is. It's like it is like sixty percent, seventy percent toy. I definitely, it is definitely a gimmick, but isn't that just a great game? to give as a gift, a game that is just like you're going to play and you're going to be like, this is really, really funny. I like it. All right. 
the import to go is Yokohama. Now, Yokohama is a game in which you'll probably have to use something like Bai to import for you because Okazu Brand, which is the designer of this, uh, they don't export usually. Or you can find this on used game markets. But Yokohama is a worker placement game in which you are going to put down a, a couple of your workers and then you have a president. And you can only go where you have put down assistants, your workers, beforehand. And then let's say you have three workers there, then you have three powers. So maybe in that space, you have three fish. I should probably give a more like general overview of what this game is. You are the president of a company and you are going to be amassing technology, fulfilling contracts for foreign traders that have come to Yokohama. It's a very specific time in Japanese history in which Yokohama opened up to not only the Dutch, but the British and the Americans and the Germans. And so you are going to just be amassing amassing points by fulfilling the contracts for these people, by founding new technologies. And overall, there's just so much to do all of the time. And there's and so much variability in the setup and in the contracts and in the technologies that you're never really going to play two of the same game here. I think this is a rare game that plays very well at two, three, and four. And so I recommend it if you can get your hands on it. And like I said, you might need to use a third-party service to get it. But if you can get it, it is a fascinating game. All right, our next accessory is, along with the quiver, probably the thing that's going to make you look the nerdiest. But like the quiver is great for card games, I just recommend getting a board game backpack. And especially, now maybe this is coming from somebody who needs to go outside a lot when I'm going to board game meetups to take the train and to take the bus. But I really recommend getting one that is weatherproof, especially. Um, I like the Geek On ones a lot. But I know uh, board game tables makes some good ones as well. But a board game bag just makes it so easy to transport games from point A to point B. I don't think you really need that much of an explanation for this one. But that is just my recommendation is to kind of look for one that is at least weather resistant, water resistant. You never know when you're going to need to go even from your car to the door um, and it's raining. Like just that little bit of resistance, seriously, it makes at least the peace of mind is nice. Our final thing, our final thing on our list, two stocking stuffers. And again, it's kind of your choice as to which theme you like better. So it's two two player games that are very tug of war like, and it is Hanami Koji, which is all about um, attracting geisha to your side and has a very I cut you choose style of um, picking your cards or air, land, and sea, in which is all about choosing the right cards, but also choosing when to surrender. If you don't think that your cards are good enough to win this war, you can surrender early and your opponent by winning the war will win less points. So you might have a chance of coming back later and doing better. I think air, land, and sea is probably the better game of the two, but the war thing, and even even the Critters at War, which tries to do like anthropomorphic animals instead of like the kind of mash style art of war thing on the original Ireland and sea. Um, if that's not your thing, I know a lot of people that are pretty off put by it. Hanami Koji is a great game that in both of these offer so much replayability because they, they offer lots of brain burniness for such a simple set of rules for both of them. All right, we did it. We got through it. We did it. 
<sighs> お疲れ様でした。We hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that most of it makes sense. I'm sure I rambled on a lot of them there. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great holiday. It's just a reminder that you can enter the contest again by leaving comments on our YouTube videos, leaving five star reviews on podcast app. And if you haven't checked out YouTube or the podcast, you're listening to the other one, hey, check it out. You can also check us out on Instagram. Have a wonderful holiday season, everybody. ありがとうございました。じゃあねー。